Well, happy Father's Day, Kevin. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you, Mark. Now, I've just time-stamped this, so we better get this one out quick. I better get on to the editing as soon as we're done. Yeah, right. I know. It can't come out like... You know, two months from now. I guess we could, we'd have to wait a year. We would have to wait an entire year, exactly. <laughs> and if we're, and I'd, these aren't really timely, so it wouldn't matter. I guess it doesn't really matter, yeah. yeah. So this is uh, Help Is Not On The Way with Mark Dustin and... Kevin Ballman. And I have a really interesting story about um, a little-known emperor. A little-known emperor. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, and um, I'm going to be doing one about a bad gallery owner. So huh. I th- would be interested in hearing yours. So, yeah, so I think you can go first. So mine, um, mine's fun. Mine's interesting. It's um, some people will have heard of this. It's not like an entirely unknown emperor, but it's a like I said, a little known emperor in most places. Um, uh, but around the San Francisco area, which uh, anyone who really knows me knows, it is not my favorite place on the planet. Um, but what I do love about San Francisco and always have is that it's really, really like forward thinking, eclectic things come out of there. that are usually a little wonky and sideways and weird and people kind of embrace it. You know, the counterculture of the sixties and all that stuff. It's just a place where, um, where, you know, it's, it's very much the American melting pot. I love all those things about it. Very tolerant city. Um, and, um, and I think that this story itself actually, you know, sort of folds into early, the early days of that city already, you know, um, 175 years ago, already this kind of place. So this story is about a man, uh, who became known as Emperor Norton. Born on, uh, in February in 18, uh, 1818, just outside of London, um, Emperor Norton, before he was Emperor Norton, was named Joshua Abram Norton, Abraham Norton. He arrived in San Francisco by ship from South Africa in 1849. He'd been living there since his parents moved from England in a resettlement scheme when he was just two years old. Um, It's commonly believed that he arrived with a considerable amount of money, about $40,000, which at the time um, would have, which which today would have been about $500,000. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a pretty decent amount of money. No real proof, obviously, because, you know, records and who knows, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even sure exactly exactly what year he was born, but that's the idea. That's about when they think he was born. Um, The money he had most likely inherited from his father's estate uh, the year prior. Um, So he had a pretty comfortable start. Um, but you know, even then, you know, even today you look at $500,000, it's not going to get you that far. No. Right. So he was okay though. He was comfortable, but he, um, he began investing in commodities markets when he, uh, arrived and also into real estate. And, um, by 1852, just three years later, he was, uh, known as one of San Francisco's most prosperous and respected citizens. Uh, at this time valued, um, they presumed value of about 250000 Dollars, which obviously a huge leap forward in comfort. He was often mentioned in society pages, that sort of thing they used to do back then more often. Um, he was a known guy. So in late 1852, Norton decides to invest in a shipment of rice coming from Peru. He pays $25,000 for $200,000 of rice, the entire ship worth of rice, believing that since China had banned exports of rice due to a famine, the shipment's value would steeply increase. Hmm. Yeah. A little speculation there. A little speculation there. However, shortly after the deal was complete, several other ships carrying rice from Peru happened to arrive in the city, and the value of rice actually plummeted to almost nothing. So, So Norton 
Believing he'd been duped, Spites uh, this in court for the next two years, attempting to get the contract voided, claiming he was tricked, and the seller knew all along there was no shortage of rice imports. <laughs> Norton eventually loses this case uh, all the way to the California Supreme Court and, and loses. Um, <clears throat> and uh, soon after, he um, has to sell his properties to pay his debts. He is also forced to file insolvency in 1856. So he comes in, he's got a little bit of pocket money, he's doing okay, things are fine. He makes a nice little fortune for himself, he's well-known, and suddenly, just like in the course of one investment and over two years of, you know, lawyers and et cetera, et cetera, he's broke. He's like, because he was born in sometime around 1838 or 1818, mm-hmm. something 18, like that. 18. So he's like 30, because it was 1857. This is 1856 that he's forced to file insolvency. Okay. So he's like, yeah, so like he's not even 40. No, no. But look at pictures. Well, I guess the pictures of him could have, he lived for a long time. So, um, um, so. He all but disappears for about a year. <clears throat> there are little signs of him here and there, a couple ads taken out of newspapers, one of which he uh, he says he's a mount, he's running for U.S. Congress, but um, but he's but he's really out of the picture almost completely. I think he was served on a jury at some point. I don't know. It's sort of there's some sort of documentation, but he's kind of disappeared. Um, um, but by this time, by sort of the, within a year, he is broke and living in a workhouse. <clears throat> In 1859, he runs an ad in, uh, so that's 1858, he's he's broke, living in a workhouse. 1859, he runs an ad in the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin, expressing his discontent for the current legal and political structure. Later that year, he hand-delivers a letter to the San Francisco Bulletin, where he declares himself Emperor of these United (laughs) States. The letter reads... At the preemptory request and desire of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for the last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself emperor of these United States. And in virtue of the authority thereby invested in me, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in musical hall of this city on the first day of February next, then and there to make such alterations in the existing laws of the Union as may, oh, what is this word, ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring and thereby cause confidence to exist both at home and abroad in our stability and integrity. Norton I, Emperor of the United States. Now, did he write that himself? Or, you know, like, did he have a speechwriter? I'm imagining he wrote it, you know? I mean, like... Uh, that's, that's pretty pretty good yeah but, right but then again you, you ever like hear like you know watch like a ken burns documentary about the civil like some 17 year old kid in the civil war and he writes back and it's like i couldn't compose a letter right, right. people wrote letters they could write you know? it's amazing um I, I i feel like he would have been a really interesting person to know but you would also be like this guy's a little crazy right yeah, yeah. Mm, i think that's where i think you i think you might have <laughs> you might have hit the nail right on the head there kevin the paper, thinking this is some kind of like whimsical joke, prints the letter, and so begins Norton's 21-year uh, of reign over the country. <laughs> um, so Norton issues numerous decrees. And keep in mind, as this is like, as I sort of talk about this, it's San Francisco kind of 
just goes just 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 goes for it just goes like okay cool you know right like as a city they're like it's come he come because he's he's already a known guy and he's obviously off his rocker and everyone just kind of goes okay let's do this now you are this guy now you know what i mean you're the emperor and i think that's one of the coolest things about this story is everything i've ever read about this and these are a lot of the facts about what happened but everything i've ever read about this is like people just kind of went along with it they're like okay cool you know there's a guy walking around with a saber and a hat and a, and, a, and a coat and maybe a weird maybe not a hat that matches the rest of the uniform but like and so when when someone comes to visit and they're like, who's that crazy guy? You're like, oh, that's the emperor of the United States. That's no, the emperor of the United States, yeah. yeah. And he becomes later the protector of Mexico, too, <laughs> by the way. This is an add-on. He, is, it, is this a Marvel you know, character? Right, right. seriously. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see the movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Um, they're casting it now. Um, uh, although it actually, I actually did, the reason I know about this is because of a script oh, that really? Tom Hanks was attached oh. to for a long time. And it, uh, and it, from what I understand, I mean, it was fallen into like never going to happen. So. I mean, it sounds like it would be an awesome movie. It's a great script. Yeah. yeah it was, I was one of my favorites I've ever read. Um, uh, so he, so keep in mind, so he's walking around the streets of San Francisco. I'm going to get to this, but he's walking around the streets of San Francisco and he's taking notes. He's like, ah, uh, you know, the policeman's uniforms are disheveled. <laughs> You know, whatever, and he's and he's he's telling everybody, he's telling on everybody, he's sort of decreeing things all the time. So he's going to be a micromanager. Yeah, he's micromanaging. Yeah. He's walking around. He's the emperor. I mean, he's he's got a lot of other town. cities to go check out, right? He doesn't get very far. I don't <laughs> think it is, but yes, he he really he should as an emperor. He would right. think he would have traveled more, but yeah, he he he's yeah he's mic he's a micromanaging emperor. Though <laughs> <laughs> oh, the collar is on on the police officers are not. I, th- I think they need new ties. They, they need don't new like ties. the ties. <laughs> so and they he you know the state of the streets and what's going on and you know and it's just it's kind of awesome in its way. But again, and the people are like, okay, that's the emperor. Sure, why not? So he issues uh, numerous decrees as emperor, including summoning the army to depose the elected U.S. Congress. Mm. He also mandates that the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant churches ordain him as emperor so he could resolve disputes after the Civil War. Mm. Cool. He declared the abolition of both the Democratic and Republican parties. Um, um, he, he, also, he, also took, he's, he also took issue with the common abbreviation of his home city of San Francisco, De- Cisco declaring, quote, whoever after due and proper warning shall be heard to utter the abominable word Frisco, <laughs> which has no linguistics or other warrant, shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor and shall pay into the imperial treasury as penalty the sum of $25. I kind of feel like this is like a caricature, caric- caricature of a person, you know, not, not so unlike ourselves, mm-hmm. who has these little petty grievances and, and things that irritate them and maybe took some drugs. And you're like, <laughs> right. I declare that anybody who listens to, yeah, you know, whatever, right. yeah. will go to jail. Uh, yeah, yeah. Weezer. <laughs> right. I don't know. What? What do I hate? Yeah, <laughs> I hate right. Weezer, personally. You don't have to hate Weezer. I do, and I would declare that. Like, you got to pay 25 bucks if you get caught listening to Weezer. I mean, Justin Bieber was one that I was not a fan of. Totally. And, you know, I remember Alexander yeah. coming home from school asking who Justin Bieber was, and I was like, at that moment, thinking... Anybody who comes to school and tells him about Justin Bieber should be expelled. Should be, like, yeah, yeah, should just be paddled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, by the way, I hate Frisco. I'm 100. <laughs> right. When I read I, this one, I was yeah. like, I'm 100% on board with, dude, you've been in, I've been in, up in Frisco. I want to slap you right now. It's like, <laughs> it's not as bad. It's worse than Philly, which is not as bad as Frisco. 
because Philadelphia is so hard to spell, like like when you're yeah, typing. Yeah. But I still, to this day, and I write Philadelphia every now and then for my work, still I spell Well, it. and who wants to say a Philadelphia cheesesteak? Yeah, you, yeah, right, you, you got to say, say Philly, Philly cheesesteak. Cheese yeah. But I, but I, but I won't in casual conversation call it Philly. Right, <laughs> Philadelphia. It's not for some reason. I think it's not as bad as Frisco because of the types of people I imagine saying Frisco and their level of like how much they've smoked that day, <laughs> or <laughs> and seemingly and, and they're definitely bros. Checked out, bros. Mm. Yeah, Philly dude, bro. I was just in Frisco, uh, dude. You get a Frisco, man. And also, anyway, we could go on forever. I should stop. I should, I'm digressing. If I was an emperor, there would be no bros. Oh, that would be no bros. Yeah, yeah. no bros. There'd be no bros. No bros allowed. It'd be like a stamp on like <laughs> a, like a, like a, a, at, at immigration. Right. I don't care. Scarlet don't, letter. It's a B. Totally. For bro. Yeah, you can come in. Yeah, I let, we we embrace all melting pot except no bros. No bros. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, but you just let all those like. Foreign people in, yeah, they're cool. But You're they're a not bro. bro. Right. Get they're out. not bros. If you just if you have like a bulldog Amsterdam T-shirt, you're not coming in here. <laughs> you don't get allowed. It's not that I'm objecting to your choice of sort of recreational things. It's just the fact that that's where you went when you went there. Yeah, that makes you a bro. You're not coming in. Not coming. I remember being on a plane once and seeing a guy like that. And I was with somebody. I was on tour with a band. And I was with a guy. And he, this is one of the members of this band, a really funny guy. And uh, and, he, and this guy gets on the plane. He's got a bulldog. We were flying out of Amsterdam. And he's got a bulldog. Or maybe, I don't know where we were flying. He's got a bulldog Amsterdam, you know, one of the cafes. The, and the most, like, egregiously obnoxious one you could get. First one you show up to, right? Everybody's like, ooh. He, looks at, he leans over to me and goes like, I could tell you just anything. Every, I, I think I know everything about that guy just by his T-shirt. And I went like, yeah, you know, you're probably right. Actually, you're pretty much right. I think you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> bros. Bros. So um, while many of his dis- decrees seem to be results of the way he sort of that he felt he'd been treated, he said, sort of a reaction to how he'd been felt. Yeah. I've been treated with the whole, um, certainly unfairly, unfairly. Right. I mean, been, life, life was unfair to him, obviously. Yes. And, and, and in his viewpoint and, and maybe it was, I mean, he, he got kind of screwed as over it is bad. for most people. Well, as it is for most people. Um, uh, he, he, um, he did provide uh, a great deal of foresight in some ways, and I'll be brief here, but um, one, for instance, he demanded that a bridge be built to connect San Francisco with Oakland across the bay. Mm, and nice. years That's... later, it was. And in fact, there's even a statue, I think, right at the bottom of the bridge now with him. It's Emperor Norton's Bridge, right? It, I think there's been a discussion yeah. about whether to like change it to that, or at least have it sort of an honorary name. Maybe, I don't know if it's happened or not. Um he was often uh, seen, uh, so in adi- addition to his writing decrees, Emperor Norton spent his days inspecting the streets of San Francisco, as I mentioned, and, Oakley and Oakland and Berkeley. He was often seen in the evenings at political events and musical and theater performances. So he was, uh, you know, all day he'd be walking around town taking notes and all even in many evenings he'd be out at the theater, you know, um, or at some political sort of, you know, event. He was uh, easily identifiable. Because he wore a blue uniform, um, quite ostentatious, as I have read, with gold uh, plate epaulets. He often wore an elaborate hat and even carried a sword or saber with him. I mean, the picture I see of him on Wikipedia, he looks like a Civil War era soldier. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. And he's walking around your town and everybody knows who he is and he's pontificating about, you know, this, that, and the other. Writing letters to the to the bulletin. He owned it. He owned it. In, in 1867, Norton was detained by a local security officer, sort of like a de facto police guard, police officer, and he's commi- and the guy commits him to an insane asylum with a, as having a mental disorder. Ah. The citizens of San Francisco are outraged. And this is like, again, speaking to San Francisco just being like, you know what? We're not going to take it. Um, scathing editorials begin to show up at local newspapers. The chief of, to the point of the chief of police eventually, uh, himself eventually ordering Norton's release and issuing a formal apology to him. Wow. Yes. Norton, being Norton, issues an imperial pardon to the officer who arrested him. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's such a nice guy. Right. We will not, you know, put him to... Put him, sentence him to death. The emperor did not sentence the man to death. Yeah. Um, he's not a bitter man. That's the kind of thing what it is. He's bitter about sort of like politics and sort of like injustice. Yeah. As he sees it. And, and, and I think how he sees it, it's not really that far off the mark. Really. No. Because some of his early stuff was like how people shouldn't be able to take advantage of other people. And, you know, it's like, you know, that sort of stuff, like that very fact is not okay. And... So he, um, so in that regard, police officers of San Francisco, um, at, thereafter that, salute him as he pa- as he passes them on the street. They begin to salute him when they see him because he pardons one of their own, and they're they're kind of apologizing and going like, but then again, you kind of didn't turn on us. You let it let it be, you know. So fair, yeah. good on you, kind of, you know. So in 1870, <clears throat> the U.S. Census lists Joshua Norton as 50 years old. And residing at 624 Commercial Street in San Francisco. And his occupation is listed as emperor. (laughs) No joke. It also notes that he's insane. Um, (laughs) That likely true. I mean, that's kind of where this is heading, right? Totally where this is heading, yeah. Um, During the 1860s and 70s, there's a lot of anti-Chinese sentiment in San Francisco. Mm. Lots of rallies. People are really fed up. They're angry. I mean, fed up with who knows what. Typical today, right? right like just right. someone riles them up and then the other is the problem, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so it's not the bros. It's no. the Chinese Americans. It was definitely in. the bros. It was, it, yeah, that's the bros that are having yeah. the rallies, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> um, some of these devolve into sort of riots and violence. There are fatalities. Oh, I mean, I'm yeah. sure people were attacked. I'm sure Chinese Americans were attacked. Um at one uh, rally in uh, 1878, Norton shows up and he demands the assembled crowd of anti-Chinese antagonists go home. They don't, but uh, his attempt is widely reported as like this emperor who's like, leave these people alone. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. What are you doing? You know? And it sort of speaks to his, his, what I've read in the past about his, he's, he was, he kind of was an all right guy. Like he, yeah. he saw it for what it was. He wasn't like this guy who was like, he was going to be a Stalin or an oral. He's exactly the opposite of what an emperor generally ends up being. Like right. Napoleon and going to war and um trying to take over the people's countries. So um Norton, I mean, he did ask, you know, the military to uh, overthrow 
Congress. Congress, right? So, I mean, there was that. <laughs> there was that. <laughs> but then again, he, I don't think he meant to do it in his name. I think he meant to do it because Congress is stupid and sucks, and they're not doing anything. Which is legitimate. I think it's legit. It's yeah. as true today as it yeah. was in 1850 or whatever he did that. Um, he even issues his own money. Um, which some businesses accept as payment for meals, et cetera, around San Francisco. Well, that's cool. Right? Yeah. Um, there are a few surviving notes, uh, but those that are are often valued as high as $10,000 each. Were they Norton Bucks? <laughs> Norton Bucks. <laughs> they were sort of like these, I don't know, they were like these printed you know, bonds in a way or something like that, like promissory notes or whatever. <laughs> Uh, his view on foreign governments are also well documented. When Napoleon invaded Mexico because they couldn't pay war reparations for the disastrous reform war, he declared himself protector of Mexico, as I mentioned, and denounced the invasion. He writes several letters to Queen Victoria, attempting to improve U.S.-British relations. And on January 8th, 1880, um, oh wait, that's not it. I've jumped ahead. Um, uh, uh oh wow i really jumped ahead um so he so so as i was saying he's a he's a really 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 decent guy he gosh he you know if he'd been emperor things might have been pretty cool right i could see it you know and um and uh and i like the you know what i like the fact is i like the fact that his his sort of fancy emperor dress was like every day it wasn't just for you know, the photo ops. Oh, right. He just wore it all the time. Yeah. I mean, he was emperor all the time. Yeah. He, again, he owned it. I mean, it's like, he wasn't just emperor today, emperor on the weekend, special occasions. Yeah. Well, also in regards to he, him owning it, it, it might be all he owned. In fact, I'm sure it was. Yeah. I mean, it sounds kind of like this was all he had this right? could, he owned it this is it's a double it's it, his double meaning in this regard it's a double little bit of a double <laughs> entendre not exactly a double entendre but double entendre i mean you know there's something about so, something about that something to be said for owning the like the one thing that you have yeah oh that's it you know oh yeah 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 that's it it's true yeah this is all i got and i'm just gonna wear it yeah and i'm gonna hey you know in fact maybe what that's a question what came first the uniform or the emperorship mm. did he somehow come across uh, a uniform and that was the only thing and so he he could had so he went you know i'm just gonna own this and become emperor because right or did he become emperor and then go seek out the uniform go find the uniform yeah. i wonder that's it chicken and egg kind of thing chicken right? and egg yeah. yeah emperor in uniform right that's gonna be the new saying which came first, the emperor or the uniform? <laughs> Kevin? That's a, that's what I'm going to use from now on. I'm going to mess. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to, it's, it's going to, you're going to be hate reviled. Right. And you're going to have to tell this entire, entire story right. to everyone. You, you should meet. go listen to the podcast. What I mean is, go listen to the podcast. We could use some downloads. <laughs> you know? We that, need, and subscribe while you're at that it. Eight, that eight, 1986 Blazer ain't paying for itself, you know? <laughs> 89. 1989. The carburetor's going to go any day now. <laughs> I don't know. Does carburetors go? I don't even know. I made. I think I so. I think, I I think everything in a car goes. I think at some point everything in a car goes. So I jumped ahead there. on eight. It did jump ahead. On January 8th, 1880, Norton collapses on the street in San Francisco and he dies. Yikes. Pretty quick. Someone sees him fall. The police are there. You know, like, again, he's a known guy. They call an ambulance. They try to help him out. It doesn't work out. He dies. Did he have health issues going on, or was this just like a surprise to people? Not really sure if he had health issues. Not really sure if he had health issues. People I, probably I, didn't. You know, I I think when you're a character like that, right? Yeah. 
people know that aspect of you, but people don't necessarily like dive in deep. They don't, they don't come in and get to know the story. Yeah. Yeah. Until afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in fact, that's actually somewhat true here because, um, he, there was obviously like, there was rumor everywhere about who this guy was and what his real story was. And people would talk and talk like people talk. Um, and one of the rumors was that he was actually vastly wealthy and this was sort of, he was, he was an eccentric and this was just sort of funny for him. You know what? He just sort of like a, a kind of a kooky dude with plenty of money and he'd go back to his mansion every night. Um, and at one time, you know, he had some money and he maybe he would have, but, uh, contrary to those rumors, um, he was actually, um, he was, he was not actually feigning poverty at the time of his death. He was found to be carrying just $5 and, um, he was also, you know, they went through his room and all that stuff like that. This, the clothes were the only clothes he had. And he was in possession of a small stack of imperial bonds, uh, which were, of course, his issued bonds, and that he would sell to tourists for money. So that's how really, really, he, really the people who fed him on his the money that he paid, the money that he created, and these sorts of things. This is actually how he survived. It's how he fed himself. And he lived in a, you know, he lived in a, in a he did live in a, you know, a workhouse situation he pay, i think he paid something but he but he lived in like a, a poor house basically um uh but <clears throat> that said he 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 is immortalized um many times over actually he's at first i think would say he's first immortalized by mark twain who was living in san francisco around the time of his sort of his his time there and um who modeled the king in the adventures of huckleberry finn after mm. emperor norton um i don't know if they ever met or I mean, likely Mark Twain would have seen him on the streets of San Francisco at some point, but whether they talked or anything, who knows? He was, would have been well-known, though. Um, he's again mortalized by Robert Louis Stevenson in his book, The Wrecker, which he's actually, I think he plays, he's actually written up as, you know, Norton's as himself. I don't know how it's how it's portrayed. In fact, Stevenson's stepdaughter, her name is Isabel Osborne, um, mentions Norton in her autobiography. Uh, it's called This Life I've Loved, stating that, quote, he was a gentle and kindly man and fortunately found himself in the friendliest and most sentimental cities of the world in the world. The idea being let him be emperor if he wants to. San Francisco played the game with him. And it just sounds kind of nice. Right. <laughs> Doesn't it just sound nice? Well, you know, uh what what you wonder is of course, was he happy? And if he was who cares, right? Who cares, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he died suddenly? Yeah. I don't know. Could be worse. Yeah. Yeah, this Absolutely. I mean, you know, if he if he believed this and this was him and 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 my guess is he probably believed it to a degree, you know what I mean? And maybe he didn't like he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't a babbling, you know, there are people out there who really really are. Oh, I think yeah. he got I think his mind and his spirit was broken and he found a way to survive and and it involved giving him some sort of personal power back don't you think we all kind of knew people similar to that uh, or I, I and i don't mean an emperor right or but i remember people in school middle school high school whatever who would come up with these kind of crazy stories mm. and oh, they yeah. would and they would kind of play this role yep Mm -hmm. And you're like, this, this guy's a little weird, Yeah, but everybody yeah. knew and, yep. and everybody was, yeah, just kind of like, okay, whatever. This is just who 
Bob is, whatever. Well, you know, I've experienced that with our, we've experienced that with some of our kids coming home with stories from other kids in school and be like, oh, you know, so-and-so said this. And you'd be like, you know what? Let it be. Who cares? I know that's not true. It's like, it's not hurting you though. Right. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, they're not, they're not like cheating on a test. They're not lying to hurt somebody. They're just sort of telling what they want to tell to build themselves up and their kids. And it's not affecting anybody. What's the problem with letting it be? Yeah. My, my kids even do that. My two, I have two daughters, and one will say something and they'll go, "That's not true." And I look at her and go, "Like who? Who? who let her be true. Who cares?" You know, when my my grandmother, who lived to almost ninety nine, uh, near the end of her life, uh, she had been kind of bitter for many years, and then uh, as she started to develop dementia, mm-hmm. is what they. It could have been Alzheimer's. Nobody really cares at that point. I don't think there was any real. You know, investigation into whether this is dementia or Alzheimer's. It's just kind of like, yeah, she's old. You know, she's she's kind of her her mind isn't yeah. working yeah. working right. And uh, things started to change, and the things she said didn't make sense. But she was happy. Yeah. So most of us were like, who cares? Who cares? Just let her be. Yeah. Yeah. If you show up and she's asking you how your kids are and you don't have kids, who just cares? you know, yeah. just say, say great. Great. Right. Great. Yeah, move Thanks on for there. asking. Yeah, considering how much like toxicity there is in the world, if someone someone shows up smiling, let them smile. Let them smile. You absolutely. Know? Yeah, whatever the whatever the whatever the reason. You right. Know? Um, so since 1974, the Imperial Council of San Francisco has been. So this is this guy's. You know, he's not. I mean, certainly in San Francisco, he's not dead in the eyes of San Francisco. And keep in mind now, we have done um, one of our favorite episodes of this show is the Burke Wills. Oh yeah. Expedition down in uh, um, in in Australia. Australia. And these people were abject failures, and yes. they have like a plaque and a statue yeah. in a park and all this sort of stuff. They're just they're a, a disaster. A memorial, yeah, as if they were heroes. As if they were heroes. It's, it's not a memorial to them failing or what or trying or whatever. It's it's a memorial to like them as some kind of exploratory heroes. Yeah, people who just did who did the who did nothing right, right. and died. <laughs> Doing that. Doing nothing right. Doing everything wrong. Could have survived easily Could have survived. if they had just done a few things differently. Could have just... Like, had many options to not so die. So many, like, ways out. So many, like, like push the button, eject right. buttons, and they just did everything Move wrong. Move three feet to the left, yeah, and there's lived. the stuff. I don't right. think I'm going to. I yeah. think I'm going... I mean, I'm going to stay right where I am. Um, <laughs> go four feet to the right. <laughs> um, the... Uh, you know, this guy actually, there's it's and it's fun. It's whimsical and it's fun. Yeah. And it's part of San Francisco's history. And it's part of I think it's like, you know, as much as I don't like San Francisco as a city, I do like so much about it, which I and it sure. is so much what it represents. And this is one of the things that it represents. That that kind of like, you know what, let's just let's just play the game with yep. this guy. He's kooky and nuts, but he's not hurting anybody. So let him ro- let him let him ride. Let's yep. see what happens here, you know? And it gets to be a unique thing that everybody gets to have fun with. I mean, you get to interact with this person who is having fun and yeah. enjoying his life and you get to be a part of it yeah right? and it makes every day of your life interesting and yeah. so many people in this country and especially like the you know the the, the non-san francisco's of this country are so afraid of anything that doesn't that, that's yes. different it's like it's a place that embraces difference and i know you and i like that we see someone on the street that's safe but kooky i'm like hey man yeah you go <laughs> you yep. go have yeah, fun right. with yourself i'm just gonna like talk about it later and say how cool this guy was well, i've shown you the art from the guy from Denver, right? The outsider art was, I call it. Yeah. Who would just walk around yeah. and try to sell you his art for 67 cents. And you'd be like, um, how about a, 
a dollar because I don't have 67 cents. And you'd say, hmm, I was really hoping for 67 cents. And you're like, well, this is more than 67 cents. <laughs> you can get 67 and you can have this. all of it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so uh, since sev- uh, ni- uh, se- uh, uh, 1974, the Imperial Council of San Francisco has been conducting an annual pilgrimage to Norton's grave, which is uh, in Colma, California, which is just outside of San Francisco. In uh, January 1980, ceremonies were conducted in San Francisco to honor the 100th anniversary of the death of, quote, the one and only emperor of the United States. Uh, and numerous tributes sort of in San Francisco's, you know, tipping your hat to San Francisco, uh, numerous tributes have been made to him around the city, including, uh, I believe there's a street named after him. And uh, there's a massive statue. I think it's at the end of the um, the. Uh, the bridge to Oakland um, on the San Francisco side is a and it seems to be like obnoxiously the, huge. The the Bay Bridge, I think, right? The Bay Oakland Bridge, yeah, Bay yeah. Bridge. And it's yeah. just so. The title of our show here is "Help is Not on the Way," and you could kind of like you could kind of abstractly put this on. I mean, mental health and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But really, you know, I was thinking about it on the walk over here. I was like, how does this really fit into this show other than being a cool, interesting? Right. And I realized, um, it's because. This kind, uh, and it, it, it's sort of it's sort of a flip. It's not really so much about the help is not in the way part. Is not so much about the kind and generous and sort of forward thinking man who existed at this time and brought interesting things to people in his city. It's uh, uh, and was tolerant and considerate and wanted better for everybody. And it's really because. Help is another way because we didn't listen, right? And we continue to not listen. And we continue to not listen. And and when and I, I've always joked that you know if if you know I don't I don't believe in God, yeah, yeah. But and I don't believe that you know Jesus rose from the dead, whatever. Um, right. If he did though and came back, yeah, nobody would believe him anyway. Nobody would believe him right. Anyway. Right. Exactly. Right. We would re- we would reject it. Yeah. And say he's, you know, yeah, crazy. He, he'd be committed to an asylum. That's just right. like Emperor Norton was, right. you know. He would totally be. In fact, many have. Yeah, right. You know? And how do we know, really, that, like, whoever's on the corners yelling is not. Right. How do you know? I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, yeah. Maybe that's him. Maybe that was him. So uh, wouldn't it be great if we'd listen? Because for us, eh, you know, help, help, help. We could really use some help on the way. We, we could use some help. Well, I, that's the story. So, what have you got for me, Kevin? Oh, you've unless unless you've got something else to say here. No, about- no, but I, I I really like that, and uh, I I love that kind of that kind of thing because I think that is the the uh, what what do uh, the, the word I'm I'm thinking of I'm I'm not really sure how to say it, but that kind of um, it's like silliness, really, kind yeah. of right. Whimsical we have, is whimsical. A great, yeah, yeah, yeah. We ought, we ought to have more of that. Yeah, it's a bit I fantastical. Like. It's a bit whimsical. It's yeah. a bit, you know, it's a bit. It's just sort of like you know, not taking life too seriously, yeah, which stop we really things so seriously. Do, you know, and I, we, and you and I could use. I mean, we we're 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 fools, and we still take it too seriously. Every Absolutely. Day. Yeah, I know. Um. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, yeah, I I uh, have a story about a. Um, a bad, uh, you know, gallerist. <laughs> <laughs> bad gallerist. Yes. It's like bad lieutenant, but with, yes. you know, didn't make. <laughs> I, you know, this is, and this one, um, it's in the grand scheme of things, the, the fraud that was, um, was um, committed was not that large. Yeah. 
But it strikes strikes close to home for me because I know this person and I know her dad and uh, and I've visited this gallery many times as as has my wife Shelby. Um, so th- there was in Birmingham, Michigan, which is very close to where I grew up, was a gallery called the Halstead Gallery. And when I got into photography, you know, I kind of was like, oh, there's this gallery near nearby that has cool things. And so I started going there um, and would go there to see show openings of um, uh, photographers. Um, at, at the time, there was a photographer named Michael Kenna, who's this English photographer who does this really cool black and white stuff. He was known for doing really long exposures. Like he might just leave the shutter open for, you know, 12 hours overnight uh-huh. of the ocean or something. And it was really cool. I know people do a lot of that kind of stuff now, but at the time it was pretty, you know, kind of um, a cutting edge. And most of the work, if not all the work of this gallery is black and white, which, which was pretty cool. And, um, um, it, it was, uh, founded by this guy named Tom Halstead, who was a photographer himself. He worked in a local camera store when he was in high school, he photographed for the school paper. Um, he was a musician and, uh, as such, he got to, fo- uh, photographs, um, folk artists such as Peter, Paul and Mary, Bob Dylan, Joan Baez. So, you know, he, he, he had, um, he was a photographer and he, and in fact, in 1963, he started a commercial photography business. So, you know, advertising photography uh-huh. and whatnot. Um, but in 1969, he, he uh, happened upon a gallery in New York called the Lee Whitkins Gallery, which kind of inspired him. And three months later, he opened his own gallery in Birmingham called the Halstead Gallery. Um, what was cool about this was, you know, there were very few galleries that were um, solely dedicated to photography. Mm. And so his was one of them. And in fact... Um, at the time of his death in 2018, it was the longest operating um, f- photographic gallery in the country. Oh, wow. He had developed um, friendships with a bunch of well-known photographers such as Ansel Adams, mm-hmm. uh, Andre Cortez, Bernice Abbott, Harry Callahan, and Imogene Cunningham, among others. Um, you know, and as, as a young photographer myself at the time which i did become a photographer kind of inspired by people like like these these are artists that were you know uh, represented by this gallery um uh this was amazing and uh it was um nearby it had incredible work and you you weren't gonna see like you didn't see this kind of stuff in person most people didn't uh, I was fortunate too, but you could meet the artists. I would, I couldn't mm. afford the work, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, a Michael Kenna photo at the time might be $2,000 yeah. and it would be like, you know, eight by eight inches or something. <laughs> yeah. It's probably worth a lot more now. And right, if I had $2,000, right. it probably would have been a good investment, but I could afford the books, which also turned out to be good investments. And you could get the book signed at the opening and you could meet the artists and stuff. So it was super cool. That's always great. Um, so, in the that that was the early '90s for me, and uh, as I mentioned, he passed away in 2018. Mm. But he had a, a daughter named Wendy Halstead, and uh, uh, she got married, and her name became Wendy Halstead Beard, which is kind of like how she will be referred to um, 
from now on. But in uh, in 2018, after she took over, you know, she kind of tried to carry on what was going on. And so as a, as a, as a photographic gallery, uh, you represent artists. Mm-hmm. So you, you would have a show. And if you sell those, you know, uh, photographs, you take a commission on right, it. Right. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, you also do things like private collectors who own photographs might say to you, Hey, I've got this Ansel Adams photograph and I want to sell it. Mm-hmm. And then they might look at it and say, okay, this is uh, like, for instance, Moonrise Hernandez, which is like a famous one. Um, this is worth, uh, you know, $50,000, I think. And we'll see if we can get 50000 for it. And then they'll try to sell it. They might put in auction. They might contact other galleries or contact their list of collectors and say, mm-hmm. hey, I've got this photograph. Would you like to buy it? And so then when you sell it, you take 5% or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so people started contacting her and saying they wanted to sell it. Um, and I should say that when he died, there was, you know, a lot of people had a lot of things, good things to say about him. And one of the things in this newsletter I found said, Tom Halstead was a pioneer in the field of photography, opened one of the earliest galleries devoted solely to exhibiting and selling photographs. Um, he prospered through his enthusiasm for Photography is good eye, and especially for the way he treated people. His warmth and fair dealing extended to artist collectors and even his employees. Um, above all, he's remembered for his gentlemanly treatment of all who shared his love of life and photography. Hmm, wow. So what good a guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, like, as a I think I mentioned beforehand, like, I have a book somewhere probably here in the office uh, that my wife Shelby bought for me as a gift and she bought it from him. Uh She had to go in and meet him and he showed her several different ones. And like, this was uh, uh, a book by Michael Kenna, that photographer I mentioned. Um, and she could only afford the one that was missing the book jacket, you know, because it's like save a hundred bucks or yeah, something yeah, to not yeah, have yeah, the book yeah. jacket. And I think it's still worth probably a lot more than she paid for it at the time. But it was super awesome. He was what a great guy, you know. It was super cool. And on Father's Day, such yes. a such a nice uh, such a nice father there to exactly. as a role model, right? Is so, this going somewhere? Yes. Somewhere not so fa- not so role model. Yeah, model-y? so he was he was not the bad gallerist. <laughs> he was not the bad no, gallerist. He was not. He was so, the good gallerist, the good father. So Father's I Day. just kind of start the story <laughs> with the story of Tom Halstead because yeah. that's what makes the rest of the story so sad, Mark. Because <laughs> dad did right. By dad everybody. did right. And maybe daughter. Maybe Wendy didn't carry on in that same vein. <laughs> Soon after, uh, Wendy Halstead Beard, who took over the gallery, closed the gallery. She had changed the name to the Wendy Halstead Gallery, but she moved the operations to her home in the nearby town of Franklin. So I kind of lived in between Franklin and Birmingham. It was like a bunch of, you know, it's like suburban metro Detroit. There's little towns that were overwhelmed by Uh, sprawl at some point. And um Franklin was to the south of us, I think, and Birmingham is on the other side, whatever, and west and east. That's what it was. Anyway, um, uh, let's see. So what, what, be, what ended up happening is she started taking in works of art from people mm-hmm. and trying to sell them to other people. Right. Um, and she started either 
not returning the works of art at the end of the contract, uh-huh. selling the works of art and not passing on the money, or both. So in 2019, J. Ross Ballman, spelled different than my name, B-A-U-G-H-M-A-N. Is that a, I never heard that spelling. Uh, okay. A Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist contacted the gallery because he, he knew Tom Halstead. Tom Halstead had helped him purchase his first print for uh-huh. his collection, uh-huh. a print by Dion Arbus, mm-hmm. who photographed the... Circuit quote circus freaks. Do you remember oh, that? Yes. Oh my god. And gosh. so he had bought one called like the human pincushion. Pin wow. It's like a guy who puts like needles yeah. through his body all over the place, which he estimated. Uh, the this print and nineteen others he estimated were worth forty thousand dollars. And Beard, when he Halstead Beard had a contract to sell the prints for one year. Three years later, Ballman had neither the prints nor the money. Oh. Um, in 2018, an unnamed 82-year-old art collector consigned $900,000 worth of photographs with Beard. Mm-hmm. One of the prints was a large, well-known photograph by Ansel Adams uh, called the Tetons and Snake River, mm-hmm. which is like um, probably his most famous one. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, the sun kind of coming through the clouds and stuff, and you have like the Grand Tetons, yeah. and the Snake River, and an old barn. Oh. It's like the most famous old barn, I think, in the world. Um, from 1942, apparently Beard consigned that photo to another gallery in Jackson, Wyoming, which sold then sold for $440,000. The image sold several more times, eventually uh, to a private collector in Idaho for $685,000. Oh, um, Beard, you know, was owed a 5% commission uh-huh. on the $440,000. So what, 20, 21,000, something yeah, like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but she told the original owner she had not been able to sell the image and just kept all $440,000. Well, you know, there's an argument for that, Kevin. <laughs> I mean... Four hundred forty thousand is a lot more than twenty one thousand. Really, yeah. seriously, you that's know the argument, mean? right? A bird in the hand is worth—I don't know—honesty and integrity. <laughs> I was telling Alexander about the story, and he goes, "Why would someone do that?" I was like, "For four hundred forty thousand right, dollars." Right. So the thing about that is, like, the, the funny thing about that sort of thing is, it's like, it's it's one of those like, obviously she's nuts, but like, it's one of those, and even that's a pretty good one compared to others. Um, where it's like, you know, you can't. You can't go on the run forever with this. Right. Like this is, someone's going to come a call in. Yes. And you can't just go like, you know what? I got, this is like a billion dollars in, I don't know, something. And I can just disappear into like some, you know, Central American country and live high on the hog forever. No, it's not. There's not enough. She had a family. She's, she's married. She's got kids. Um, yeah, like you're not just going to go on the run. This, and 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 the, and the total amount that she of that she owes was not enough for her family to like disappear. Yeah, probably not even pay off their house. Right. Like it was not that it makes me think of the um the recent story about the woman who wrote the children's book after she killed her husband and then the <laughs> children's book about grief and how to handle grief. And it's it falls into that and this is a, we should literally do like a, a series of this of the the like like like, how did you think you were going to get away with this? Yes. Like, series of... Absolutely. Did you really think you were going to get away with this series Well, of- that's where I wonder with this. So, I started thinking, like, this just... It's, is this like a Madoff where he 
was like, yeah, when it got to like a billion dollars, I didn't know what to do anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, um, was she in over her head? Yeah, right, right, right. Did it just yeah, kind of snowball? Yeah, first it was like, oh, 20 grand. Right. I'm just going to keep it and make believe. And then right. next thing you know. I have all these debts. My kids are in private schools. Right. They're like, Missy rides horses and I, I owe the stable $12,000. I don't know. it's so weird. Right? People just keep, it's like your zero cost fallacy. No, zero. What is it? The uh, Oh, the sunk cost sunk fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, you know, um, there is the idea of cutting costs. Right. To save yourself rather right. than just cut like, your losses, let's right? Let's just find a way to get to cover the note instead of like, let's just find a way not to owe this much money. Every, right. Everything. But my children know, sort of reminds me of like the Japanese businessman thing going to work every day, you know, and suiting up, although you've been fired a year ago right. and you're still like <laughs> trying desperately and going, pretending, telling your family that you're still like doing this thing, right? And not to even trying face. to get a job. Right. Just. Pretending. Lying and going like, this is what, what, like not being able to see past the end of your nose on this. And like, there's no end game here. So that's where I wonder, like, are you in over your head or is there mental illness here? Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, it's kind of crazy. There was an 89 year old victim with Alzheimer's who had given Beard five photos to sell. Again, one of the images was a signed Ansel Adams print. Mm. At the end of the contract to sell... The family asked for the photographs to be returned. In the instance of the Ansel Adams print, she gave them a reproduction print purchased from the Ansel Adams gift gallery in Yosemite. <laughs> it's surprising she didn't just say, I, oh, I already gave it back to them. Right. The, the one I gave that, it to him and he doesn't remember. Okay, he just doesn't remember. Trying clients. to like, no one's going to figure this out. There's no the, the the paper alone would tell you. I don't get at some point, like right at the beginning of this, you would be like, Oh my gosh, I really messed up. I owe this person 50 grand. Yeah. And I gotta, I gotta just say, Look, yeah. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. I really screwed up. Uh-huh. I don't have your $50,000. Right, right, right. I owe you 50 grand. Yeah, yeah. And let's come up with a way for me to pay you back. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. But, no, you just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. So let's how, let's dig deeper. Yeah, that's how you end up in, in let's just jail get a, in Las let's Vegas. Let's just get a bigger shovel. Let's just get a bigger shovel. <laughs> right. The next one's going to, next horse is going to come in. But the thing with this kind of one is there's, there's no, even you give someone Vegas compared to this. I was going to c- compare it to Vegas and I did, but what I really, that's, that doesn't actually compare. Right, because this isn't like, you're not going to just suddenly right. get a big there payout, right? There is a chance. Right. I mean, it's a really remote chance that if you keep dub- putting it on red, that you're the, eventually Right, you know, I mean, or on 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 six or whatever. But on these, you they have a fixed There's value, right? No way yeah. you can get this back. Like you actually owe the money. Yeah, that's right. So what's gonna happen? You waiting for someone to die? You are waiting for like? Well, and what kind of like if it's debts? What kind of debts do you have where you sell a four hundred forty thousand dollar photograph mm-hmm. in which you are owed twenty grand? And you're like, I need all four hundred forty thousand dollars of it. Right, right, all of it. Holy yeah, moly! Yeah. Uh huh. Like, I mean, most people don't need four hundred forty thousand dollars at any one time, right? Wait, it it does it it brings me back to the woman with the uh, with the with the children's book about grief right. who killed her. It's like you bought a two million dollar house that your husband said he can't afford, and you did it anyway, and now and then you killed him for the insurance money to pay for the house <laughs> that you're gonna you can't live in because you're going to jail. <laughs> Is what this you- your next episode? 
No, I'll, we'll just cover it okay. all in here. This is right. not. We don't need to go any deeper than that. It's it's a pathetic. But story. that's what I wonder, right? So maybe maybe in behind the scenes, her and her husband are driving Maseratis, and yeah. the, right? I She's have like, no we idea. Gotta get it. We got to get a new Tesla. I really tried, Mark, to dig in to yeah. find out like what was going on. There's not. A, I don't think this is a big enough story for people to have really. If this was too. You know, two hundred fifty million dollars yeah. with stuff like oh, we all... did in episode ten. I think it yeah. was of Are We Recording, our most popular episode uh-huh. um, of Are We Recording with the Smithereens. Uh. Uh, we covered some art, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, art. Sort of like theft uh, or, or sort yeah. of shell game, a little art right. shell game. There was the Sackler Gallery, yeah, you know, or yeah, Sack, yeah. not the Sackler Gallery, the Sacklery, Sacklers using some galleries, uh-huh. the Guggenheim or something, to like store their oh yeah their stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. And there was like uh, the Bobian Affair or uh-huh, something, and then yeah. there was uh, several different ones. And this on the like I said on the grand scheme of things, this is not that big. Well, I mean, but, you know, but the thing about it is, it was big to somebody. Yes. Right. And I mean, we it's, it kind of reminds me of like sort of like like you watch like movies like I don't know like like the the Ocean's Eleven movies, mm. not the original, the the cool kind of cooler like right one whatever um uh, Frank Sinatra or whatever one, but the later ones where it's like everyone nothing like in, in our society today it's like. You know, like someone stealing a million dollars doesn't matter anymore. How right. to steal a million is actually a movie. But now it's like if it's not, and every movie ratchets it up. It's like seven hundred billion dollars they got to steal for me to show up at the box office to pay for this one. It's like, it's like, a, but a but a nine hundred thousand dollars, just a four hundred fifty thousand dollars to somebody. That's all the money. Oh yeah. You know, you Absolutely. boil it down to a to an individual who lost. It's it's happening today right now because um, what's her name, Elizabeth Holmes? Oh yeah. You know, she owes something like fifty billion dollars. Yeah, to she whoever. has to pay it back, right? But but all the people in the front of the line are. Are, are like are like Rupert Murdoch. Oh yeah, right. It's like it's what about the what about the guy who invested you know or woman who invested like ha, like three hundred thousand dollars and that's all they had. Yeah, with well, the shares they they had, Mark were the unsecured shares. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, yeah. You have to pay Rupert Murdoch back. Get Rupert Murdoch <laughs> back. Yeah. So you can have like you can stuff his coffin with more money when he dies. He can support soon. Hopefully, he can support more more Tucker Carlson's. You, you can got, you ruin more democracies. Yay. Someone's got to. Someone. Hey there. Hey, you got to. It's a sensitive spot. There. Someone's going to help Tucker Carlson out. Right. Someone needs that man. Needs some help. He needs some money. He's got to get through. Think of all the conservative talking heads that have had their their lives ruined. Bill O'Reilly. Just. I mean, just because you know he did some inappropriate things with women and lied about right. everything. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And 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 yeah. A shame. I mean, you know, it's just oh, yes. come on. Victimless crimes, Kevin. I know. Victimless. Really. Emperor well, Morton would be out. He's I rolling mean, in his grave. Let's be honest. Um, what's her name from uh, Theranos? Um, stealing from uh, Rupert Murdoch is a victimless crime. Her <laughs> stealing from Rupert Murdoch is like is what it, it's. Hysterical. Yes, is what it is. Right. I actually think if if it was just him, she should be let out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe given a ticker tape parade. Yeah, the police chief <laughs> should maybe issue an apology. Right, <laughs> Elizabeth, we are sorry. The Sackler family and Mr. Murdoch did not deserve deserved everything they got. That's right. You're actually we're putting we're putting a statue up, Elizabeth. You're kind of like you know, um, you're, you're kind of like um, Robin Hood. 
at that point, right? Right, right. You're stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Well, the funny thing about the the and I wonder if and I just thought this. I wonder if that was intended. Robin Hood Hood is a word for like a criminal, right? So like a Robin mm. Hood is to be robbing a criminal. Is that what Robin Hood was? I wonder. I need to find that. I just thought this literally just came to me when you said that. But uh, that's it. Like Rupert Murdoch, all these people are criminals. Yes. Trump, oh. Murdoch. Oh, for sure. I Musk. Mean, Musk, what a criminal. Oh, They're yeah. all criminals. Yeah, absolutely. There, I be, that must be. But was Hood, I don't know. We have to find out if Hood was. We're going to have to look into that one. On another episode. But another anyway, episode. back to your yeah. story. <laughs> we digress. As we do. Um, this is literally how we talk as as friends. Yes, it is. And that's why we have another podcast. Totally. That yeah, you it's should like listen a, it's to. Like that Snake River. If you like, if you like meandering. Like, <laughs> <laughs> meandering through the pasture. Yeah, right. And then that Snake River, Ansel Adams Snake. Yes. It's like that's that's, kind of like the Are We Recording podcast. It, it, it's, it's indicative <laughs> of our own personal minds and conversations. Conversations. There's this, there is a mountain at the end, though. We just never seem to get there. No. The mountain we, is the point. We usually run out of time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which will happen here. Totally. <laughs> a lot. So as clients started asking for their money, their photographs or both, um, she began coming up with crazy excuses. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, this is where things get fun, Mark. Uh, <laughs> a longtime friend of hers pays $73,000. For an Ansel Adams print called Moonrise Hernandez, mm-hmm. so the one I mentioned earlier, yeah. one of his famous ones, but never receives the photograph. The 72-year-old contacts her to inquire about the print and receives this as an email response. Quote, on computer, finally, been a crazy last bit. Not all gone, but at least out of the month's long coma. <sighs> nice to see the sunshine. Sorry, so short. More later. Oh, <laughs> When when Ballman that should put him off for thirty years until I die. <laughs> I mean, but this is the kind of thing like, yeah, you could couldn't you come up? This is so crazy, yeah. right? This is almost like sorry, I was on the moon. I was I was in a coma, right? Yeah. Um, but was there drug and it was ever drug and alcohol? I don't so want to get. I you. can't find out. I could not find anything. I mean, yeah. again, it's just not a big enough story yeah. that someone did a deep dive expose yeah, right, on right, this. Right, yeah. When Bauman tried to track down some photos, he also re- received a similar response. "Quote: Sorry for the for the delay. Hope you are well. We have just survived about a COVID. Where all four of us got it at the same time. So a bit behind on life." He ended up contacting a gallery in Florida where Beard had claimed to be displaying the prints and was told, quote, contact Katie Walsh, an alias, according to the FBI, who Mm. eventually gets involved. Um, The 82-year-old collector uh, was also given wild stories of health issues by Beard. Beard claimed she had pulmonary issues, been in a coma a couple of times, and was on a lung lung transplant list. He also re- received an email from another made-up employee named, quote, Julie, who explained that Beard had, quote, been on the transplant, transplant list for quite a while, but with this progression, they deemed it necessary to move her up to critical for transplant. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, a s- successful transplantation was performed. Who said, I mean, 
you're really just like making this stuff up like out of like someone like I'm, I'm trying to picture somebody sitting down at their computer and, and and you can do this a lot in in modern times like somebody sitting at their computer sort of going about their life deciding now i'm going to go scams try to try to fish for money out of some company i'm going to send you know whatever i'm going to i'm going to do something horrible i'm going right. to be andrew tate kind of i'm going to find a woman to exploit right. like it's like someone sits down with like an intention my intention is not to figure out why Verizon's charging me too much money for my bill. My intention is to find a way to scam as much money and lie completely. What's what's a really good lie here? What would really float me for another right? You know, six months or three well, months. And and the the question is like, what does she think these delay tactics are going to get her? Right. Is she expecting she's, that she's going to come up with? You know, a million dollars. So she's waiting for like, you know, she's buying lottery tickets every day. Was she planning to like leave the country? Right, right. I have no idea. Because again, nobody's, somebody needs to look into this because I bet it's fascinating. I bet. But who knows? It's it's starting to get into like either either dependency or mental health stuff or both to me. And a short time later, he receives an email from, quote, Katie stating that, Wendy had her double lung transplant and has been a little dicey, but we are hoping they take the vent out and bring her to this afternoon or tomorrow. I'd like to see the response. Like, I don't care about her vent. Send me my $72,000. <laughs> like, what does this have to do with the print? You know, where is, what's the status of the, stop telling me about yourself, your problem. Where is my money? Yeah, where is the money? Stop telling <laughs> me these, print? like, you know, like, well, you know, it's funny because I, I had a similar experience in my life with somebody who was had some things like this would come around and a friend of mine, an old New Yorker guy who'd been around forever, been in New York for ages and whatever. He goes like, says to me one day, I read him a thing and I was sent and he goes like, uh, that sounds like a junkie talking to me. That sounds like a junkie excuses to me. Right. Like all of a sudden, like, no, nah, man, I, I lost my money and I got my thing and I got my thing and I got this and this yeah. happened and blah, blah, blah. And it's starting to just be a shell game, right? That that's, you're, you're right. I mean, that's exactly what that sounds like. Somebody who's, you know, an addict making excuses yeah, for making things, right? Wild yeah. excuses. Not even like really plausible excuses. Right. These are not believable. No. Uh, eventually he drives up from Indiana to Michigan to her home, to her home in an attempt to find the photos. Um, he found photos stacked around the home in random ways. Um, and she tried to give him a photo that wasn't his, (laughs) um, neither Julie nor Katie ever existed according to the FBI. Additionally, beard was never on a transplant list. And was seen by the FBI shortly before her supposed transplant took place. And the, the FBI stated, Beard did not appear to be physically impaired. Yeah. Um, in total, Wendy Halstead Beard um, defrauded people of around $1.6 million. Having taken payments for artwork she didn't deliver, selling artwork and not paying the artists um, or the owners, mm-hmm. um, and, doing, or, and doing both at the same time. The the in 2022 the FBI raided her house, and found um, photos that had not been returned. So she's still like sitting on some of these she things, has some right? Of this yeah, stuff. 
Like when someone says, can I have the photo back? Why, why don't you just go, yes, you can. Just give it back. Just I cut your losses. Yes. Okay, I, okay, I'm screwed on the 300 grand or the 460 grand. I, that I did. Right. I can't get that one back. No. But let me get everything back and then figure like as, out. At least make as many people whole as possible, yeah, right? Totally, right. I, yeah. don't, I don't understand. Well, at what point, you know, do you ever get emails from somebody who's not like a, like a, because you're not like in a, in a, you know, a position of being someone chasing you for money, but you get an email from, like, even if, I get the smallest email that even suggests that like, you know, oh, oh, hey, you donated, you said you'd donate a dollar per lap for your kids, right. like, you know, whatever, middle school, uh, whatever, run, lap, she did 30 laps. I'm like, oh, I got to pay this right now. I got to get this out of the way. Like, I got to owe, I owe money. You're like, sorry, I've been in a coma. I, I've been in a coma. <laughs> right. You forgot, you get went to spam. You're yeah. like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I owe this. Like, how could you like go day to day with this weight on you? I, it's got to be they so stressful. Yeah, you got to be a sociopath. She also, or, you know, had had that like Florida gallery where yeah. she tried to sell things. And apparently uh, some photos were abandoned there. I'm like, how do you abandon these valuable photos? You wouldn't. I don't, I don't get it. Um, he, he claimed, uh, the, the, one of the, one of the victims claimed the, the guy who went to her house, he said he, uh, thinks that he, she and her husband were in over their heads. I'm like, yeah. you think, Yeah. I mean, but again, right. don't you just at least like stop taking new things in yeah. and saying to people, Hey, yeah. I am, I am, I've really messed up I'm sorry. And I've got. A bunch of things here. I'm sorting through them. I will get everything back yeah, to you yeah. as quickly yeah, you as give, possible. Give it back. Right. Yeah. She. Uh, so apparently uh, just recently, like at the end of May, May 31st is where all the stories were um, that I found. She pled guilty to wire fraud as part of a plea deal, mm-hmm. which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Oh, wire fraud. Damn. So that's where the help is. I'm like, I mean, um, the there help- was... You know, there was no help there, right? I mean, yeah, there's and, no. But I mean, like we, like you, we could have helped yourself. Said, like it's like you've got assets around you that you're not even returning. You know, you're not cutting your losses. You don't even probably even know you have some of these. You've completely, definitely over your head, completely lost track of everything, and have no, and and don't even know what you know. I would you'd pull in everything you've got, send me everything back you've got, and then you would start sorting through who owes you, who owe you owe what. And handing as much of it back and cutting your losses, but that's why I think there's something greater going on here because there's, you know, it's it's just beyond negligence. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so where she lived in Franklin, Michigan, I just looked up median home value there, or maybe it's average according to Zillow, seven hundred seventy-one thousand. Oh, rich so. Median. I mean, yeah. she has a bunch of artwork worth a lot. She has a house worth a lot. Mm-hmm. She has ways to pay people back, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, her uh, Franklin was not a cheap place to live. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Too, I I don't know. What, what was her I, name again? Wendy Halstead Beard. H a l s t e d. Um. And it was a shame because you know what her father had started. Mm was pretty cool. Well, thank goodness. And I, I say this honestly on Father's Day. I'm going to say this on Father's Day. Fortunately, thank goodness he, he died previously. Right? Before he had yeah. to suffer that his daughter became, was a disaster. Ugh. She probably was in his eyes. Like he didn't have to ever do that thing. Where it was like, I love you. I love you unconditionally regardless of um, your crimes. Right. The fact that you defrauded 
friends and clients yeah, of and ours. Besmirched everything I created right. as like the nice, really, really stand-up guy that I brought that I was as a father and as a as a business owner. To Wendy Halstead Beard's credit, her her attorney says it's complicated. Yeah. 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 I imagine it's complicated. Right. Isn't it though? <laughs> you know what else is complicated? Everything. Not doing <laughs> right. crimes. Not stealing money is also complicated. You know why how that's complicated? Because boy, wouldn't I like to be able to steal some money and get away with it and like but mm-hmm. but you know what? Here's the here's the thing. And this is just the thing. The thing is, you're not gonna get away with it. No. I don't I don't even understand wh- once you start making all these things up and doing this, like, what is your end game? Do you have a plan? Yeah. Like, what what are you thinking? You know, they they solved crimes around the time of Jack the Ripper. They did not so, uh, solve. <laughs> Uh, they did not solve the Jack the Ripper crimes in around 1888 and around the not long around the time of, of Emperor Norton. Um, uh, they didn't have forensics. There was no computer. They couldn't trace anything. They they solved crimes then. Not right. all of them, admittedly, but they solved crimes then. You are not going to get away with this. No. No. Leopold and Loeb, what's his name? Who just killed those people out in Oregon two years ago? Oh, whatever. Yeah. You, you. He was a. He was in forensic criminology, and he still got caught. You're not going to get away no. with it, people. Yeah, help is not on the way if you just can't help yourself (laughs) start start yeah well actually they did help themselves they can help themselves they They help help themselves to other people's stuff and money (laughs) right and (laughs) yes would you like i would love to help myself all right it's like the buffet i will help myself to your wallet it's life's buffet (laughs) help yourself i mean it seems to be the philosophy of many people these days right <laughs> uh well this is help is not on the way with mark dustin and kevin ballman 